You are listening to This Is Us podcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. I am the author of Widowed and host of Weight Coach podcast and Widowcast podcast. This is episode 8, Pilgrim Rick, combined with episode 9, The Trip. I'm joined today by Rachel Nachmias, who is an image consultant and owner at Best Dressed and the author of the upcoming book, The Face of the Business. Hey, Rach. Hey, great to be here. That book is coming out December 15th, right? It is. I'm so excited. It's just a couple weeks away as we're recording this and some early readers are starting to give me amazing feedback. Great. Okay, we are going to be doing two episodes in one because the Thanksgiving episode into the episode right after it kind of for all one story arc. The first one was episode eight that aired on November 22nd called Pilgrim Rick. The director was Sarah Pia Anderson. Her early television work included Prime Suspect starring Helen Mirren. And she's worked on episodes of Dark Angel, Gilmore Girls, Dead Like Me, Grey's Anatomy, Veronica Mars, and others. Gilmore Girls is probably the big connection for this director. The writers for this episode are Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger. And these are actually comedy writer-producers. They're a team. They signed last year with an overall two-year deal with 20th Century, 20th Century Fox Studios. I don't know what happened to that deal that they're working on an NBC show this year. Um, they were writing for the show Friends with Benefits for Fox TV. They work as a team. So that's interesting. It's the first time they've been on this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we open at Thanksgiving in the kitchen, 1980-whatever, with Rebecca making the side dish of cranberries to take to her mom's. Right. What isn't I just talking about mother-daughter relationships, Rachel, before we started oh, podcasting yeah. this? There was, there was something about somebody's daughter um, wanting everything to be perfect when she sees her mom. Right, right. And here is Rebecca, and she wants this to be like the most fantastic cranberry sauce on the planet if she's taking it to her mother's. And, But in her mind, she still feels like my mom's going to criticize it no matter what. Right. Right. So she's trying to make this perfect cranberry sauce. The boys are acting up. Randall, the kids say they don't like Grandma and Grandpa. They don't like to go there for Thanksgiving. Randall said something about grandma and grandpa say no, just the twins. Did you hear that? Oh, um, Randall said that they're always wanting to take a photograph saying, oh, now let's get one of just the twins. That's what it was. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I mean, talk about just, I don't know how you could be Clearly, we're getting some information about her parents, even though we've still never actually seen them. Right. 
they might not be the most open-hearted, kind people. It's not sounding like it. It sounds like going to mom's is just not fun. Yeah. You know, and I can kind of remember that time frame in my life when Thanksgiving became a chore because we would all go to mom's house and everybody had kids. Some of us had even young kids. It was going to be too many people in one house. We were all going to have a headache by the time we left. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like trying to cram all of us together at mom and dad's. And there would be always something that would come up at the table <laughs> during dinner oh that God. somebody would want to punch somebody else. I mean, it was just, you know, family Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, she's finally got this perfect cranberry sauce made and in the dish. And before she has a chance to even cover it, the boys charge in and knock the cranberry sauce to the floor. And all over their Thanksgiving clothes, total mess. Yeah. Total disaster for Rebecca. Talk about a nightmare. She's she's already so, even if she weren't so over-invested in this cranberry sauce already, that would be a nightmare. And then, oh, yeah. and then on top of that, she's got this, you know, competition with her sister's dish and trying to, like, look a certain way for her parents. And now her two kids are covered in it. Right. Right. We go from that to Kate at the weight group where she hears a gal talking about her gastric bypass, the terrible side effects of it, saying, you know, if I tried to do that, I'd be in the bathroom throwing my guts up. But then saying, but I've lost 30 pounds, so it's so worth it, right? (laughs) I'm thinking, no, it's not. Right. I mean, I'm really interested to see where this whole storyline is going, not to get ahead of ourselves. I know. Um, I know. But, like, at least somebody's talking about it on TV. That's all I can say. That's true. That's true. Then Kate is at dinner with Toby, and he's eating a huge plate of pasta. And she's pushing salad around her plate. Mm. Which bothers me, too, because I'm thinking, why is she just eating salad? Why isn't there a piece of chicken on that plate? You know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is like she's cutting back too severely. Yeah. Kate drops the bomb that she thinks they should take a break. She can't deal with Toby not dieting with her. Yeah. Right? She had told him she couldn't fall for a fat person. He says, but you did. You fell for me. So now what? You're just going to throw me away? So I can really see the pain in his face, but she's going through just as much pain. You know, she's telling him how she used to daydream about all these perfect guys in the movies Mm. and that he was better than any of them. Yeah. He was better than her wildest dream. But she's still not happy. She thought if that man came into her life, she would be happy, but she's still not happy. She wants to get her weight under control more than anything. Yeah. And it's I'm liking how they're starting to develop a storyline for Kate that goes beyond just her struggles with her weight and to this sort of master question that really all of us deal with in one way or another, which is, um, if I get what I want, then will I be happy? Right. With her, though, what I'm seeing is almost like the opposite. It blows my mind. Because so many women who struggle with their weight whether it's an extra 30 pounds or an extra 300 pounds, 
they think that if I only didn't have this weight issue, everything in my life would be perfect. I would be so happy. Yeah. Okay. And what Kate is seeing, like this dream man has come into my life that I always thought would make me complete and make me happy, and I'm still not happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the opposite. It's, you know, it's not like saying I have to lose the weight to be happy. Well, I guess she is, because she's saying I can't just be happy with you. I have to lose the weight to be happy, too. Yeah. It's like... Which well, is a real shame. Yeah. And even that whole relationship is just her thinking her whole life, that's all, like, what all you know quote unquote all she wanted um and and what she found out was that when she got it she still couldn't be happy with just that yeah. uh, so i think you know kate's really on um on like this broader sort of soul seeking journey um trying to figure out you know what what in life is going to do it for her right Right. And you know what? For her, it is absolutely more than just, oh, eat less calories and go to the gym. Oh, for sure. Seriously. She's got so much going on, and that's why she's so extremely overweight. Did you see that thread with all the opinions about Kate's weight on the group? You know, it's just there is so much misinformation out there. And people, if they haven't dealt with that severe of a weight issue, have no concept there was somebody that even said something about, you know, stop eating and get her ass to the gym. And I just thought, you have no clue. You have no clue what a weight issue is about. Yeah, I just think, um, and, and, and I would say that somebody talking who's never been overweight, but unfortunately, I see huge evidence to the contrary when I see overweight people talking about their weight on online. Um, it's that often that kind of thing will be perpetuated by someone who's already overweight. They'll say that about right. themselves. Well, if I just stopped eating and got my ass to the gym. Um, right, right. And, or they have diet brain because they've dieted off and on so many times through their life. Right. It's like they can't imagine eating anything but low-calorie creamer, which is all high-fructose corn syrup solids, Right. you know, Um and, and eating foods that they don't really enjoy, which that will make anybody fat because you get the backlash from that. Right. So, yeah, I know. I just so want to hang my shingle out on that show and start coaching. Oh, yeah. We, um. could, we could probably do a whole episode on just what's happened to Kate, who of the three, of the big three is probably the one who appears the least in these two episodes. I know. I know. But, you know, maybe I should. Maybe over on my Weight Coach podcast, I should dedicate a whole episode of my Weight Coach podcast to Kate on This Is Us. Yeah, especially <laughs> with the development of the news coming out that um, that Chrissy Metz is required in her contract to lose weight during the course of the show. Right, right. Which is really no big deal for an actor, to right. be honest. I mean, so, so many actors will put on weight for a, a a role or will take weight off for a role. Even all those extras that play zombies on The Walking Dead, and they barely get anything for doing that. It's like it's this whole status thing to be able to have been a zombie on The Walking Dead. Right. But you have to be very thin to be a zombie on The Walking Dead because zombies are not fat. Right. Right? I, I do think... I do think it's a little bit of like, it's one issue 
when a normal weight actor decides to gain or lose weight for a role. And I kind of feel like it does create a different context, which is not to say that I think it's wrong when an overweight actress who has always, as long as she's been in the public eye, been overweight, agrees mm-hmm. to lose weight for a role. Yeah. Because I think yeah. the presumption in the previous case is that that actor is going to either like gain it back or lose it back. And I think that there's kind of an implicit presumption behind this arrangement that she's going to take the weight off and, you know, keep it off forever. Yeah. It'll be interesting. She surely must have wanted it. Maybe she felt that signing the contract with that written into the contract would motivate her to do so, to do this. Yeah, I don't want to misspeak, but I believe that she may have said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, there's always all this stuff going down in Hollywood. I mean, that's like when Greta Van Susteren first became a newscaster. And she's a serious political newscaster but they made her like have surgery on her eyes and lift her face and make changes to her appearance so that she would look prettier on tv yeah i mean it just adds many more interesting layers to the onion that is the show yeah yeah anyway moving on we're going to try to consolidate two episodes into one podcast. I think we're going to end up with two full podcast episodes because we get into this stuff. We do. Kevin is at the theater with Olivia, guessing that she doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving because she's British. She says, no, my mom is American. Um, she's very negative and caustic as usual. She says she's going to spend Thanksgiving going to a bar that always plays Rocky too. So she's just going to go drink and watch Rocky too. Right. Kevin invites her to come have Thanksgiving with him and his family. And she is suitably nasty about this and said, so they have no interest in the slices of wonder bread that produced you, you know? And, um, Kevin gets a little fired up about that. He's like, wait a minute. Let me tell you about my family. You know, my black adopted brother's found his biological father who's dying. My sister has this enormous weight issue she's dealing with. And, you know, he just kind of goes through the whole thing. And she's, like, stunned. She's like, yeah, okay, I got to see this, you know. Yeah. I think that's just, like, an interesting little commentary on how nobody's family is perfectly normal. Right, right. But now, remember, he makes a turnaround during this episode, not to get ahead of us, but he starts out with trying to prove how bizarre his family is to impress her. Yeah. And then when they pick on his family, he goes to the opposite side and starts saying, what the hell's wrong with normal? Yeah, yeah. You know, which I found was really interesting. Yeah, I I kind of, it kind of took a swerve from where I thought they were going to go with that relationship. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. interesting to see what they have in mind. And she was like a total bitch about it, you know, like, okay, I'll do it. Pick me up at noon. Right. Noon, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I also, what was it? I started to get a glimmer. And now I have no idea if the episode will go there or if she'll even be back in it. I guess she has to if she's still in the play he's doing. Right. Um, But she said something about her mom making all those pies to distract them from the issues of their family. Yeah. And I thought to myself, 
that sounds like a family that ends up with weight problems. Right. And I started to get a glimmer that maybe Olivia at one time had eating issues. I, I thought the same. I didn't even connect that one. But then um, we're, again, to, not to jump ahead, but then in the next, in episode nine, when she has that confrontation with Kate, yep. I thought the way exactly. that she was talking to her really made it sound like what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You start seeing it. Um, jumping ahead a little bit, when he brings her a piece of pie at their house on Thanksgiving, saying, this year I don't think you're going to miss out on the pie, and he brings it to her before the meal, you'll see she doesn't even take a bite of that pie. Yeah. Not a bite. So I really wonder about that. Randall, was Randall not fabulous at the start of this? He uh, was yeah. so into Thanksgiving. Just like Thanksgiving, man. You could see it was his thing. This was his jam. He was getting everybody up. He even goes in and body slams Kevin. It's like he is ready to cook. Yeah. But meet me in the kitchen in eight minutes, right? Right. And Kevin, he tells him he's in charge of picking up the hot dogs, cheese, and saltines which we get to figure out later in this episode. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the episode, you're going, wait a minute, hot dogs, yeah. cheese, and saltines? What the? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what kind of stuffing is he making? Right. We find out more about that, along with all the other stuff that goes down at the house, where he's sending the girls to go get the Thanksgiving blankets and the movie. Um, he asks William, William's in the kitchen and he looks up at William and says, wait, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? And William says, I'm fine. Just dying. <laughs> Which that made me laugh. Yeah. He, he's, I like that. I mean, it's impossible not to like William's character. He's, I know, I know. Randall says something about my mom and my biological father will be eating at the same table. Isn't that cool? Yeah. He's so pumped, and in Mom and Miguel arrive. Yeah. In retrospect, that comment is kind of heartbreaking. But I know, I know. Um, as soon as they arrive, Beth redirects Miguel, and she grabs Rebecca mm. and starts to go there with her. Yeah. And pressuring her, almost blackmailing her to tell Randall. Right. At that point, I don't know about how anybody else felt about it, but I felt like, Beth needs to back the hell off. Yeah, I I think it was, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know my feelings about that. Like, does she have an obligation to tell him? Or is that really in the none of her business category? You know, it's a little bit of both. But Rebecca is saying, not today, not on Thanksgiving. I'm going to do this, but I have to do it in my own time. At that point, Beth should have backed down. Yeah. Instead, Beth says, you tell him today, because if you don't tell him by this afternoon, I'm telling him. Yeah, I, I think that was a little much, because it's more yeah. than just them involved in, you know, that day. It's for the girls and for the whole family. Right, right. And, you know, Beth is like on track to try to destroy her husband, really, by yeah. saying, I can't keep the secret from him. Yeah, I think I think it's more just her um maybe not being able to handle knowing and not right. telling him 
Maybe they're having her be this way so we see the contrast between Beth can't keep this under wraps. Right. Yet Rebecca managed to keep this under wraps for 36 years and told no one. Right. And there is nothing harder than living with that kind of secret in your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Anyway, in the car with the kids back in the 80s, she's dumping canned cranberry sauce into the dish. Right. In the car en route to mom's house. And the car blows a tire. Yeah. To take a long story short, they can't get it fixed before morning. And they end up hiking 3.4 miles to find this cabin in the woods that they could rent where they create a new Thanksgiving tradition. Yeah. All kinds of new Thanksgiving traditions. Because the kids... Hated Thanksgiving, not just because of the grandparents, but they tell Rebecca it's because you act weird, too. Yeah. You know, I think Randall even said you talk in this weird high voice all day at Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. That's why he hates it. I I kind of know. I feel like that must be how I talk when I'm around my grandparents because I kind of have a similar relationship as she does. (laughs) You just assume this persona that you think is going to work better with them. Yeah. Um, They end and and I think it's interesting that at that point, and we'll see if we get any more information about this as the series goes on, but she at, Rebecca actually calls um, her parents and is saying, you know, well, at first she's like, well, can dad pick us up? And then everybody's yelling. And she's like, actually, you know what? Don't. Yeah. I'll see you never, basically. Right, right. So they end up having a Thanksgiving picnic on the floor of the cabin with hot dogs that they roast over the heater, the wall heater, stuffed with cheese and rolled with crackers, rolled in crackers, the only food they had, hot dogs, cheese, and crackers, and watching the only movie that's available. Yeah. And this is kind of where their traditions come forward. They end up doing this every year instead of going to her parents. Right. They just recreate it. It's like a classic Jack moment um, when he just finds a way to, you know, turn this situation, which is feeling really grim, into something that ends up being a source of joy for their family for many years to come. Right, right. And hence the title of the episode, because he shows up in the pilgrim hat that the creepy hotel guy had on. Right. And introduces himself as Pilgrim Rick. (laughs) Right? To... Do yeah. this whole Thanksgiving thing. So, um, on the hike, they all now we're back into current time and they're all going to do a 3.4 mile hike. Right. Because that's their tradition before they go home and eat. And Randall learns that William used to just get together with friends and other mu- musicians and jam on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And that he even had tapes of it that he would listen to now. So Randall decides he's going to head to William's apartment and snag those tapes to play for William because that's part of his biological dad's Thanksgiving tradition. Well, and what he's, I think he says to Beth or to Kevin, I forget who he's talking to before he leaves to get them, that it might be William's last Thanksgiving. Right. So, and did you notice Rebecca wanted to go with him? Right. And he said no. I think she wanted to go with him so she would have a chance to have him off alone and tell him that she knew William. 
Yeah. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, before Beth blows up and makes it all ugly. Yeah, I, I think um, that was um, what what we were supposed to take from that. Yeah, yeah. And then we're at the house, and Miguel asks if he could just once wear the hat to be Pilgrim Rick. Right. And Kevin says, no. <laughs> no, Dad wore the hat. And now Randall and I take turns wearing the hat. And this year it's my turn to wear the hat and be Pilgrim Rick. Right. Of course, when it comes right down to it later on, Kevin does let him wear the hat. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, it's sort of like we're we're seeing um, Kevin's universe expand to be more and more about anything else but Kevin. Right. And it's also like really symbolic of being able to bring Miguel into the fold. Right. Instead of being just, you know, this was dad's friend on the periphery and we just tolerate him so that we can have our family. Right. Yeah. Randall, when he goes to get the tapes, finds the letter his mom sent to William when he was about eight years old with a picture of him in it. Yeah. And he's really hurt and really angry. One can see why. Yeah. So dinner begins, still heavy with their little traditions. They were pulling apart. When they were in the cabin, there was like a, a lap throw with a loose piece of yarn. And she said, okay, everybody pull on the yarn, say what you're thankful for, and then throw it to the next person. And now they still have this ball of yarn that they pass around. Right. Okay. But Randall is not good. <laughs> Randall is not doing well at all. And he stares coldly at his mom. And he pulls out the letter she sent to William's apartment. Yeah. He won't even let her speak. He reads the letter. And he repeats, after all these years. After all these years. Meaning she knew him eight years before. And she sent him this letter when he was eight years old. Right. And he really kind of breaks down to her how she kept his father from him all his life. Like his dad could have played music at his wedding. He could have had him for this. He could have had him for that. I mean, he really gets ugly with this. Yeah. And as he storms out, Kate comes flying in. <laughs> like oblivious to the fact that this heavy thing has just been laid out at the Thanksgiving table. Saying, I'm sorry that I'm late. Um, on her way flying out, she gets on the plane there's this thin woman in the window seat, and she reassures her, I bought this seat too, you know, motioning to the middle seat, like, I, you know, I ain't going to crowd anybody out here. And she has to put on the seat belt extender. Uh, but they hit severe turbulence, and it scares the hell out of them both. Yeah. Okay. And that's when Kate really has a come-to-Jesus moment about her weight. Because the woman next to her has this come to Jesus moment <laughs> saying, I'm going to get divorced. That's it. Life is too short. Right. Right. So she apparently has decided that she's going to do gastric bypass surgery. Yeah. And she comes flying into dinner. I'm sorry I'm late. I have an announcement to make. I'm going to have gastric bypass. Yeah. <laughs> Just lays that out there. And that's kind of where we leave this episode. Yeah. With so much up in the air. Yeah. One, I think we, we skipped a little bit, but at the point at which um, 
I think my, probably my favorite part of this episode is that at the point at which, um, you know, Kevin's kind of offered Olivia pie and she's sort of like, I can't do this. And right. Goes outside and William's outside. Um, they have this really beautiful exchange out there. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting because they set that up for us to like, really start like kind of opening our minds to her um mm-hmm. like before going into the next episode right right and yeah if we get an, a one of those typical william moments where he's the wise old pixar owl again totally um you know it tells her when a young man looks at you like that and offers you a piece of pie just eat the damn pie right you know? Yeah. And she goes back into the house, kisses Kevin, and picks up the piece of pie. Right. Or takes the piece of pie back from him. So they've kind of had this moment. Yeah. It seems like it seems like in that moment that she's about to actually get serious about him. It looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah. But I also think that, and this is interesting, I got this impression that when William was telling her all this, in her mind, she was going back to the role in the play she's in right now. Right. Because she's a method actress. Yeah, I thought so, too. And that a lot of what she was doing by going back in there and kissing Kevin and taking the pie and doing all this was like, this was her method acting to help her build her character for the play. Right. Yeah. So we go from that, which I died. I was like, that's it. That's it. We don't have any more. I wanted more right away. Yeah. But then we get to this week's episode, which was episode nine called The Trip. Mm. Air date, November 29th. The director was Uta Briswitz. I may not be saying that right. My Russian is really rusty. She's a, I mean, my German, she's a German cinematographer and film director. And she's known for her collaborations um, with Brad Anderson. She's helped direct on Weeds, Suburgatory, Orange is the New Black, Awkward, Unreal, um, quite a list. She even did an episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Mm. The writer on this one is Vera Vera Herbert, and she had written for a TV series called Awkward. Now, I don't even know that show. Neither. And that's about all I saw in her list of credits. So Interesting what a, um, I mean, I guess all TVs like this, but um, we're, at the beginning it seemed like there were writers who were, who were doing multiple episodes. Right. It kind of seems like we're getting a new writing team on each episode. Right. And it was Dan Fogelberg. Wasn't he like the main writer on yeah, the on first three or something? And yeah. now we've got all these other writers coming in. Uh, but I guess that's how shows are now. It's funny. I always assumed, Rachel, that you have the same writing team for the show throughout the whole series. Yeah. Uh, but apparently not. Yeah, I I guess I think that this is actually the norm because I remember I don't know if you ever watched True Detective, um, but I remember that it was a big deal that that show was written as a whole by one writer basically or oh, one writing. Okay, okay, interesting, 
Anyway, we open with Randall writing down all the reasons he's mad at his mom. Right. <laughs> Which is really kind of sad and humorous at the same time. Well, because it's like, it, it, it's depressing, but it's also, and you so feel for him, but it's also so Randall to like, is, he may as well be making a spreadsheet. Right. Right. And he hears him in the hallway and he says, I'm mad. I'm not deaf. Right. And so Beth comes in and then he calls her to bring William in too. I know he's out there. Um, he demands to know when William met his mother. And he asked, did my father know? And he tells Beth that, or William, he's the second maddest at William and the third maddest at Beth. Right. And when they, you know, Beth says, what did I do? I, you know, I tried to tell her to tell you. And he said, that's why you're on this list. And there isn't a Beth list. Right. And there isn't a William list. Right. He says he wants to read the entire list to his mom when it's done. And he wants her to hear every single word of it. So clearly he's looking to lash out and hurt her the same way that he's feeling hurt. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, she's the one that really betrayed him. Clearly Randall can't even begin to get a glimmer of her side of the situation at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, this is kind of how we all react to things. It's all about us initially. Right, of course. Yeah, and right now it's just all about Randall and how much this has hurt him and cost him in his life. Well, we get um, and we get a fair amount of backstory too about, um, you know, why this is so important beyond just the reasons we would make up for why it's so important. Right, right. We see Randall as a little kid. He's got a couple, a black couple, cornered in the drugstore, asking him if they can roll their tongue. <laughs> yeah. because he learned that it's an inherited trait and if he could find black people who could roll their tongue like maybe he would be related to them right now did all of us try to roll our tongue when we saw that oh yeah i mean i already know i can't roll my tongue yeah um but i tried it anyway <laughs> just oh that's funny i already know i can but i did it anyway as soon as he said it you know it was like oh yeah Mm, me it's you know <laughs> and kind of like the opening scene it's sort of heartbreaking and adorable at the same time it is it is and it starts jack thinking you know right like jack begins to want to track down his birth parents to give him the little piece in his life that he feels that randall really is missing and rebecca is adamant no that they need to be enough for him. They give him everything. They have to be enough for him. Right? And we know that really she's terrified that the birth father will take him away. Right. And and we get like, I thought it was very beautiful writing the way that we kind of get her reaction to that in stages throughout the mm -hmm. episode. Right. First, we just see we just see him ask her, you know, why don't you even want to try? And then, you know, we we see we hear that again, and she says, you know, um, what if they're wonderful? Um, right. And so, and like, and then there's another one right at the end where we just get this slow reveal of how um, 
you know, vulnerable it makes her feel to think that she could have Randall, who she 100% in every way sees as her son, taken away from her. Right. Right. So, then we see Kate and Kevin, and Kevin's kind of making light, light of Kate's revelation, and she's trying to tell him, you know, look, I, I almost died in a plane crash. My life flashed before my eyes. Right. I need to seize the day. Um, and he says, what's wrong with dieting? And she tells him at this rate, she's going to be 106 years old before she gets to her goal weight. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally get that. Yeah. I do. It's like, okay, um, if I lose a pound a month. <laughs> yeah. But it's like she won't forever just lose a pound a month. She needs to seriously figure out why she's only losing a pound a month. Right. But that's neither here nor there. She says it's not a big deal to have the surgery. Which, yeah, it is. It is. And again, she's looking for that something, that quick fix that's going to make her happy. Yeah. Okay. Which it's like she got the guy of her dreams and that didn't do it. So now let's have the quick fix. Let's have this surgery, which we all know isn't really a quick fix because they put you through a lot of counseling beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you have the surgery, the surgery works for about a year. Right. Okay. So she would lose her first hundred pounds over that year's time. After that, the rest of it is all on her because the surgery does not make you continue to lose weight after the first year. Really, it's about you learning to re- adjust your eating patterns. Yeah. And, um, I'll just say this because I think probably there would be listeners who don't know, um, a, like 80% of people gain at least some of the weight that they lost back. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that's in addition to any possible complications and, um, and you absolutely can overeat your bypass For so sure. that you begin gaining weight back again. Absolutely. Yeah, um, there's a lot of failed gastric bypasses out there. And I, I just think that, you know, this is something that I'm I'm actually excited that even though I'm sure it it maybe hasn't already been perfect and won't be perfect, I'm, I'm excited that the show is bringing this issue to light mm -hmm. um, a little bit because I've never, outside of like maybe a news show, I've never heard it talked about on TV, like as a part of a plot. Um and, um, meanwhile, I had, I looked it up because I was so curious. Um, <laughs> it's about 200,000 people a year in the U S having this surgery. Right. Right. I would be interested in knowing the percentage of them that actually be, become successful and remain successful with it. Yeah. I, I think it's low, unfortunately, a sad yeah. day. And I think that's really the dark side. And I wonder, well, we still don't know whether she's really going to do it. Um, either as a character in the show or in, in terms of the actress, because there's some speculation that she may have plans to actually undergo the surgery. To actually do it. That would be, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, you know, I've seen a lot of different outcomes with it, even in the years that I was going to Weight Watchers. Yes. Um, we had people in Weight Watchers that had had gastric bypass surgery. They were 300 pounds coming to Weight Watchers because... You know, the gastric bypass, like it worked for a year and then they gained the weight right back. Right. Because they, they really didn't resolve 
the reasons, the things that made them want to overeat. That's what you have to resolve. Yeah. So anyway, then we find out that mom is selling the cabin. Kevin says like a series of three things. In the middle of it, he mentions mom is selling the cabin. And Kate's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) What do you mean mom is selling the cabin? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, we don't go there anymore. And she said, well, we should. We should. Let's go. Let's go one last time. And the big three decide to go back to the family cabin together. Right. It's almost like as soon the cuts are like almost as soon as she says that, the three of them are in the car pulling up at the cabin. Right, right. Um, and as they go into the cab and they're unlocking the door, there's three locks on the door to unlock. And, you know, Randall says something about this, like, you know, I don't know why she has all these locks on the door. Right. Kate takes a picture of the cabin and texts it to Toby. I didn't get to see what it said. I think somebody posted that they had paused it and they could, you know, what wrote what she had said to Toby. I did read it, but I didn't write down what it was. It was like some snarky little joke about the cabin. Right, right. Um, And they go inside and it's like this really traditional family getaway cabin. There's stuff, there's games, there's blankets. Um, On the wall is a magic eye. That was such a throwback to when I read it. Because yeah, I'm just I'm just a couple of years younger than the big three. So everything that they grew up with, I basically grew up with. Right. So that it's a little fun for me to see stuff like Magic Eye. Yeah. And Kevin can't see it. Right. Which I love that. And they're telling him, you know, look, just relax your eyes and look through the picture and yeah. you'll see the image. Yeah. And he's like, it's a pirate ship, right? And they're like, no, it's always been a bear, dude. You know, <laughs> Randall now thinks his whole childhood has been a fake. And he's basically gone to the cabin with them just to clear all his stuff out of the cabin and give the key back and be done. Not part of this fake family anymore. Didn't want anything to do with his fake childhood anymore. It's all a fake because Rebecca did not tell him she knew his biological father. Right. Well, I mean, when you you find out that something that you assumed was true your entire life. Right. Lie. Then you start questioning everything. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where somebody has not been faithful to you, but it's kind of like that, like that, that's the experience that I recognize that feeling from of like, Mm -hmm. when you're playing back your whole relationship thinking you know, since when, like how many of the interactions, like ha- has it been since, you know, you've been keeping this from me? Um, and suddenly it creates a new context for um, everything that you thought was true. Exactly. Yeah. Kate pulls out the old photo album and calls him in and makes him sit down and look at it to prove that they were real. Right. <laughs> She's very upset about this. It's like there was nothing fake about our childhood. And she says, you know, I just want to enjoy the day with the three of us. And as she says that, people turn up at the cabin. It turns out Kevin invited Olivia, who brought others with her. Mm -hmm. Right? She brought the playwright and some other weird artistic guy. Right. And they come in kind of dissing on the cabin, saying it's so quaint. You know, how absurd is this? Kevin defends them to Kate, saying, you know what? These people are artistic. They're authentic. 
while these people are wafting around the cabin making Norman Rockwell cracks about it. Right. And that's where I think we get that scene you mentioned where Olivia confronts Kate about being scared that she will lose all the weight and nothing will change. She will still be the same person. Yeah, and and she really lays into Kate in a yeah. way that feels pretty personal for two people who have never met fate before, basically. Really personal. Um, and it is personal because Olivia says she gets it. It is scary. And if I were you, I'd be terrified. Yeah. And, and Ben says, trust me, you don't know women like me. Yeah. And she said, <laughs> like, um, you're afraid you'll find out the person you've always been is who you truly are. And all your dreams of the life you're going to lead one day are lies you've told yourself. Right. Right. I mean, just cutting to the core. Yeah. Just cutting to the core on that. Yeah. And a lot of it may have a lot of truth, but holy crap, <laughs> don't have a stranger just lay it out on you like that. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I think so. any random person on the street who didn't have any kind of personal experience, um, I don't I don't know if they would have reacted quite like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was just like, and that's when I truly thought, okay, definitely Olivia has had some kind of eating issues in the past. She may have even been 400 pounds in the past for all we know. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do wonder about it because it seems like, um, it it seems like that's what they have been setting up. And Mm -hmm. I do feel with everything that happens in this second episode that we're talking about, um, I feel like we're sort of going through this, um, you know, is she a face or is she a heel story arc with Olivia? Um, Like, is, is there really a good person underneath that? And the sort of tough exterior is just that. Um, or, you know, is she, is she kind of rotten deep down to the core? And I think they want to keep us guessing. Yeah. Although I think she is rotten to the core. Oh, do you? Because every time that she's gone into this mode of actually like appearing to be somewhat human, like when she went back in the house after talking to William and took the pie again from Kevin, I think she's doing it just for experiential for her acting ability. It's all research to her for a role. I really think she's a miserable bitch. <laughs> whatever whatever made her be this way, you know, maybe it was the loss of all the weight and she realized she still was who she is and yeah. she really soured on life and the only relief she gets from it is when she's acting. Yeah. You know, that may just be who she is, that there really is nothing sincerely nice in there anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that that may be the case, although I think um, I'm interested to see where they're going to take it. I think they're going to keep kind of dangling her more um, vulnerable, more human side in front of us. Yeah, yeah, they could. They could. Um. I mean, the writers for Game of Thrones does it to me all the time. Oh, sure. They make me hate somebody completely, and then all of a sudden there's an episode where I find myself sympathizing with them. And I'm like, wait a minute, last week I hated this person. Right. You know? <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, um, to me, that's sophisticated writing. Yeah. Where, yeah. um, any of the characters have dark and light. Mm-hmm. And they can turn it around on you. Right. Sure. Anyway, in this scene, all of a sudden, Randall hears clicking outside and he goes out. Mm-hmm. And the cool dude, who turns out to be Olivia's ex, which we'll get into, comes back in with his special smoothie, saying, who drank my smoothie? Right. Someone drank half of this, and I had some really rad shrooms in it that were going to change my whole view of reality or something like that. Yeah, this is such a like like slapstick it, plot point. It is, because it turns out Randall drank it. Right. In this scene is where Kate discovers this guy is Olivia's ex, right. and Kate goes berserk. She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You come here and you bring your ex? To our cabin, you know, <laughs> I mean, she's really incensed. Plus, Kate clearly does not love this person at this point because she just gutted Kate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the The whole thing is just kind of turning into a shit show at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we have Randall outside the cabin, and he's totally in psychedelic hallucinations from the shrooms. He sees Jack as Jack was when he was eight years old. Right. Fixing the gutter. Yeah. And the others come outside and find him just standing there staring. And Kevin says something to him and he says, no, I don't want to, Dad. And so Kevin's like, okay, you know, let's just leave him here. Did you see Kevin snap a a pic of him? No. He did with his cell phone as they were going to go back into the house and leave Randall staring Standing there staring into space, he picks up his phone and he takes a picture of Randall Stoned because this is like great blackmail material for later, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he snapped a pic. Um, They all go inside. Believe, I mean, I get why from a plot point standpoint they all had to go back inside, but I couldn't believe they just left him there. I mean, here's a guy. I know it. And they were like, well, he'll be okay. Right. Like, he's hallucinating his face off and didn't know he was going to be. And they're all just like, eh, just leave him there. <laughs> I know. I know. And after they go inside, Jack tosses an army guy down to him. And Randall starts telling him about William and how mom knew. Right. Okay. And Jack says, that's ridiculous. And he said, no, it's not. You know, mom knew the whole time about this guy. And Jack tells him how they went through a lot. Yeah. And that it was a lot for her to keep a secret like that. If she tried to keep a secret like that, it would destroy her. Yeah. Is what he tells her. And he hears more clicking and he flashes back to his dad, taking him to the class in the dojo Mm -hmm. with the black instructor. Yeah. And the black students and dads. Yeah. Because Jack, after a conversation with... Oh, I can't remember her name. She's the the black friend. What is it? Yvette. Yvette. She tells him, she suggests to him that Jack needs some black role models. Mm -hmm. So he takes him to this dojo with this martial arts instructor, wanting him to have black male role models in his life. Right. Right. And then we flash and see Rebecca going back to... William's apartment when 
the kids were about eight years old. Mm -hmm. And at first, William doesn't even recognize her when he opens the door. She lets William know that, like, his kid wants to meet him, that Randall is really curious about meeting him. Mm -hmm. uh, let's him know that he they changed his name to Randall, which he loves. Right. You know, for Dudley Randall. And, like... We start to see that young William at this point, when he's kind of gotten clean, mm -hmm. sort of like heartbreaking, as heartbreakingly wonderful as he is as an old man. You know? Right. Right. So he's obviously thrilled that his son wants to meet him. And Rebecca learns that he's been clean. Um. You know, his, his life has really kind of taken a turn around. Right. And he's really eager about this when he learns his son wants to see him. And Rebecca is trying to do the right thing, but she's totally scared off now. She is freaked out. She is really freaked out about William wanting to take his son back because now she knows Williams he's got his life together. He's not still a junkie anymore. Right. So she runs out. He turns around to hand her and show her this book of poems that he wrote for his son. Yeah. And she's gone. Yeah, she's just like <laughs> absolutely like freaked out and split. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we even get a scene with her back with Jack again, with Jack talking about wanting to hire a private detective to find uh, Randall's biological parents. Right. And she she goes crazy with that and then says, I cannot lose my son. That can't happen. Yeah. I cannot lose my son. Yeah. And we, we really see just um, how scared she is. And, right. And then there's a little more up and back at, I think maybe a little later even in the episode, where um, Jack's saying, no, you know, we adopted him. And she says, you know, there's no fire station statute. Like, um, right. There's no records of this. Right. And, really. they, and, and, and she's not wrong that, um, William might have had rights. Like yeah. if that had gone to court, he, he may have had rights to have partial or even full custody if he wanted it. Right. Especially with his life cleaned up and turned around. Right. Yeah. So then we see Kate current day going to Kevin about Olivia and the stuff that Olivia said to her. And he sides with Olivia. Right. Okay. And he also confronts Kate about the surgery and the whole breakup with Toby. Right. Okay. This is not going well. Um, yeah. And well, he keeps trying to say like, you know, stop acting like you don't, you you don't care about it or it's not a big deal. Right. Right. Um, so Kate phones Toby to try to unload all this on him, yeah. basically, because she needs somebody she can turn to. And, and like, like Toby in this scene just like crumpled my heart because you could just see as he's as he's talking to her that mixture of so wanting to hear from her and so wanting to connect to her and mm -hmm. knowing that that's just going to hurt him even more. Absolutely. He does not want to be hurt anymore. And he says to her, does this mean we're still broken up? 
And she said, yeah. And he said, well, then I can't be this person for you anymore. Yeah. And he hangs up. Which is just, I mean, he's, he's absolutely right. She's like be totally out of line, even calling him. Yeah. Um, and, um, you can see that like, you know, how hard it is kind of for him to even say that. Cause at first he kind of humors her for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. and then he's like, no, 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 can't do this. Right. Right. I also made a note, and now, Rachel, I don't have this whole thing written out, but I noted that in the mix of these scenes, the the gal who's the writer of the play mm -hmm. is in there talking to Kevin. Yes. And it turns out that she's actually pretty nice. Yeah, she she's, she's okay. So, like, they have this whole up and back about, um, he kind of asks her about Olivia, and we kind of find out how it happened that she's even there. Um, because remember, I, I think it's pretty clear in this episode, Kevin invited Olivia. He didn't invite her ex-boyfriend and the writer, whose name is Sloane, right. by the way. Right. Um, and um, so Sloane tells him that she was supposed, she had a car that she had rented because she was supposed to go and sort of witness the birth of her niece. Right. Um, and she tells him how she wants to take her niece to Disney World, and she just tells him how basically somehow or other Olivia manipulated her into taking her to the cabin instead, and how basically she hates Olivia and she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And to underscore this, we now see Olivia with her ex all snuggled up on the sofa while Kevin is watching home movies. Right. And... um in the home movies, her ex is gushing every time Kate, as a chubby little girl, comes on the screen. Right. And Kevin absolutely blows up. He blows up that they're making fun of Kate. I think that's what put him over the edge. Yeah. Was he felt they were making fun of his sister. Um, that he said, you're making fun of Kate. You're making fun of the cabin. You're making fun of our being normal and real. Right. Right. What's wrong with being real? He lashes out at Olivia about the feelings when they kissed, that those feelings were real. But he's not sure she's experienced anything real in her entire life. Yeah, um, he, he calls her a hollow shell of a human being, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know it, and I liked it. Like, oh, that's, it's like, that's not going to be awkward at rehearsal later. <laughs> right. And then the capper is, he says, I feel sorry for you, actually. Yeah. And she says, so that's our cue to leave. Right, and they hustle out of there, taking Sloane's car with them. Right, right. Apparently it's her car because Sloane comes down, and it's like, my car, oh, my God. Sloane comes down and says, where are they? And Kevin says, they left. It was a Brexit, which yeah. racked me up. <laughs> I thought that was, that was funny. Yeah, I was surprised that they did that because they, they've been kind of keeping references like that mostly out of the show. I know, but that was too good to pass up. Yeah. <laughs> it was too good to pass up. Everyone in the writer's room was laughing at that one, so they kept it in. We go back to Randall, high as a kite outside with Jack outside the cabin. Right. And he's saying to Jack that he was the replacement baby. Yeah. He was unwanted. Yeah. And Jack says, I knew you were my boy. You weren't a choice. You were a fact. Yeah. You were never a replacement son. Yeah. But Randall's insisting if he had known that the man who abandoned him regretted it and wanted him, it would have made all the difference to him. 
Kevin and Kate are outside the cabin and he he goes over to her. She's sitting on a tree stump or something. And he asked her exactly how mad she is at him. Like, is it from as mad as the time as this mad as mad as the time I did this at your prom? And she says, I'm more than prom mad. Um, he apologizes to Kate and tells her she was right about Olivia. And Kate says, I think she was right about me too. Yeah. Which is what? Yeah. Which is big of her. It is. She's saying, what, yeah, what if I have the surgery and nothing changes? It's a real possibility that she needs to think about. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that she says, Kevin says, why even do it? And she said, because I'm more scared of not trying. Because I broke up with Toby to focus on all this. Right. Right. And she's crying about not being able to deal with any of this without her brothers. And Kevin says that they need her too. And he needs her here bad. Yeah. Which I'm not surprised that the writers are going for um, sort of bringing the whole family together on one coast. Yeah. At least the big three. Yes. For sure. They find their names on this big tree that they call it the family tree in their yard. Right. Where they had carved them in there as kids. It's kind of just a cool little thing. Um, Randall, high as a kite, is now looking into the cabin and seeing the family playing games in the cabin. But it's the whole family, like when he was eight years old. Right. And his eight-year-old self is in there. He sees his mother's face. So he goes into the cabin to talk to his mom. And, of course, she can't see him or respond to him. Right. It's he's sort of ten- like a it's a wonderful life moment. Yeah. It's like he's a ghost standing there. And he's telling her all that he missed out on because she kept him from William. Yeah. And he's reading this list to her. I think part of them are, is, are his list, all the reasons to be mad at her. Yes. Um, yes. He definitely is, is taking this opportunity to read his list to her. Unfortunately, well, first of all, it's a hallucination. And second right. of all... Even in the hallucination, she can't hear him. Right, right. Suddenly, he's back outside, and Jack asked if he feels better yelling at her. Right. And then Jack tells him to relax his eyes and look through it all, just like he used to tell them about the magic eye picture. Right. And then when he looks in, he suddenly sees his mom all alone and scared and locking all those locks on the door. And Jack's telling him she always kept us safe. Mm-hmm. She always kept everyone safe. She kept everything out. Our marriage wasn't as good as it could have been. Certainly that was my fault. She had you three kids with all of your different issues. And she had her own issues, all the struggles, all the hurts. And she kept us safe. Yeah. And, I mean, and then Randall's banging on the window and trying to tell her we're here. We're right here. Yeah. And I, I think it's that was a really powerful way to, um, you know, make make the point that I think a, I've seen a lot of really harsh critique of Rebecca's character. And, right. Um, and even this whole plot point could kind of be seen as a critique on her character. Um, but I think in this scene, we really kind of take a moment to, through Jack, who I think as viewers, we like... He's most people's favorite character as far as I've seen. 
Um, yeah. And through Jack, we kind of get the perspective of everything that Rebecca has on her shoulders. She has this, you know, rocky relationship with her parents. And she has, you know, two twins whose triplet died. One of them has weight issues, which creates a lot of resentment between them. And they have Randall, who's adopted and who's black and a white family. And her. then she has her marriage and her issues between her and Jack. It's like just the things never stop stacking up for Rebecca. And, like, considering all that, I think, you know, we have to see that she did, really did the best that she could. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you begin to understand that one, carrying this secret her whole life, how much pain this caused her, and that she did it to keep them safe. Right. It was having the three locks on the door. Yeah. Not letting him know about William. Yeah. So the next morning we see Randall now kind of recovered from the mushrooms and he's out there fixing the gutter on the cabin. Yeah. Kate discovers the writer Sloan spent the night in Kevin's bed. <laughs> so there's a new love interest there for right. Kevin. Suddenly, suddenly Sloan. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that again, just one more factor that can't possibly make it awkward at rehearsal. Right. Right. Um, Randall's okay. He's out there fixing the gutter and he's remembering the martial arts class and right. his initiation and all the men there, including Jack and the instructor has Jack get down on the ground to do push-ups with Randall on his back, making him promise to always support his son, to always raise him up. I can't remember all the things he said with each push-up. It was really emotional. Right. And when the sensei says, okay, that's enough, you can stop, Jack says, I'll never stop. And he keeps doing the push-ups. Yeah. And Rebecca watches this with tears in her eyes. Yeah. And that's when we see her writing the letter to William, telling him Randall has an extraordinary father. Yeah. You can't meet Randall. Just trust this is the best for him because he has an extraordinary father. It's interesting that the first time that letter was read in the previous episode, I kind of found those words seemed sort of hollow from yeah. the perspective of not having had that scene as the backstory. Right. And then the second time you hear it, you actually believe that she meant that. In the context, yes. And then we go back to see all of the black fathers taking turns with Randall on their back. Right. doing the push-ups like the community is going to support him he has others you know yeah um, then we see randall back at the door of his mother's house in current time with all of his reasons and telling her you kept that secret for 36 years that must have been pretty lonely and with that understanding that he expresses she crumbles yeah she really crumbles because, yeah, it was lonely. It was really hard for her to well, hold that in. And she's expecting him to let her have it. And instead, he sort of reaches out in a moment of empathy and mm -hmm. knows that he can see the situation from her side. Right, right. But when she reaches for him, he backs off. 
yeah. saying, not yet. Which, not yet. I'll see you at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and Kevin and Kate are waiting back by the car for him, which I really liked. It was like this united thing. Yeah. You know, they knew he needed to go talk to their mom. They took him there. They stood back by the car and sent him up to the door. Um, I like that. It was the big three all kind of coming together and supporting each other. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited that the three of them are all back together. I hope that Kate's going to stay at least for a while. I hope so too. The last episode that we get before winter break is called last Christmas. Right. And I'm expecting a heartbreaker. Yeah. Well, they're probably definitely going to leave us on the edge. Oh, yeah, Christmas. they're either going to break our hearts or they're going to make everybody come together. And we're going to have this warm, happy thing right before the winter break right. until they come back again. Right. The director on this next episode coming up is Helen Hunt. Ooh, interesting. She's had many acting awards from when she was doing Mad About You and the movie Twister and the movie As Good As It Gets. She had a ton of acting nominations. Um, a lot of nominations for the sessions that she did in 2012. There was a reference to As Good As It Gets in an earlier episode, the one where Kate was um, going to work as an assistant for that woman. Yeah. At the interview, um, she mentioned, one of them mentioned something about loving that movie, and then they both say like the, the famous quote, you make me want to be a better man together. Right, right, right. So anyway, um, I found this interesting and I can't find in Helen Hunt's history that she has directed anything yet. I mean, maybe she has, but I'm not finding it. You might just not have an IMDb credit for it. She owns a production company with Connie Tavel. Hmm. It's Hunt Tavel Productions under Sony Pictures Inter Entertainment. I'm thinking this episode just may be her, her directing debut. Fascinating. So I'll, I'm looking forward to that even more than I was before. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. It'll can be I, really interesting to can see. Can I share a little tidbit that I that I read up on on the internet about this episode? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so as it turns out, that sort of uh, rite of passage that Jack does with Randall on his back um, is actually taken from a, a real thing. Um, there's some type of group and there's a man who pioneered this thing that he's been doing with young men for like years and years. And so there was some coverage that this was like, quote unquote, stolen, um, from their real, like, I think he calls it a rite or a ritual or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the creator of it was very upset to see it in this episode, which I just thought, well, that's the, the total wrong reaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had heard that one of the writers came across it and brought video into the writing room and said, you know, look at this. Um, I think it's fantastic that they adapted it to use. Yeah, I think that would just, you know, give give your, like, the work that he was trying to create by um, sort of making that beautiful rite of passage and perpetuating it, um, like so much more legs. Like think of all the more people that it can reach now that it's been on such a popular TV show. Right. Oh, right. Um, 
and good publicity for him and what he's doing. Totally. Because more people that hear about this, they're going to go looking for it and discover who it is. Yeah, I agree. Clearly. I don't think it should be hard to find. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. It, I was I was just Googling to because I thought that the writer's name was Sloan. I like to try and remember the characters' names, um, even when they, they barely say them sometimes. Um right. But yeah. I, I I wanted to double check in the IMDb, and when I was looking for the IMDb page, that article about the that um, whole thing about them having referenced this ritual, um, what came right up at the top of Google. Yeah, yeah, terrific. Well, this has been great to do both these episodes together. I liked doing this. Yeah, that was fun. And we have not gotten any feedback from the TV viewers who listen to this podcast. And you guys, I'm telling you, when you watch the next episode, especially this Christmas episode, I tried to discover when they're coming back after winter break. And I couldn't discover if they're coming back in January, February. We may have a while before we get the other half of season one. Right. Um, when you watch this Christmas episode, I want to hear what you think about it before we podcast it. Yeah. So send that. You can send it to Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. That's my business email address. I don't have an email address set up specifically for this podcast yet, but we'll do that. We'll do that. But we would love to hear from you guys and share some of your insights and opinions during the podcast and give you credit for it. <laughs> Give yeah. credit for it. That would be that would be really fun. I know you guys are watching the show and talking about it. So yeah, so yeah, there are a lot of opinions on the internet out there. So share some of this with us after you watch uh, this Christmas episode. Shoot us an email. Tell us in just a few sentences, you know, what your favorite part was or what you thought of it. We would love to hear from you. Yes. So I think I'm going to wrap it up, Sounds Rachel. Out. I think this has been a lot of fun. And next week we'll connect and, um, gosh, at some point, because I'm going into D.C. next week, hopefully we can get this wrapped up pretty soon. But because it's the winter break, we could also have a little while in there, give everybody time to email us some feedback and get that last episode podcasted. Yeah. So until next week. Keep it going and keep it real because this is us. <laughs>